As we welcome our graduates today, though, uh, I, 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 was, I was reflecting on it this morning as I was preparing for Mass. Um, I am 15 years out from sitting where they were, um, and uh, I feel older today than, uh, a lot older, um, with a lot more gray hair, and it's thinning in the back and stuff like that. Um, but I remember being where you are. Um, one of the fun things about where you are is that there's so much possibility ahead of you, right? I know whenever I was, uh, when I graduated high school, um, I went to LSU uh, for three years. I was, I loved LSU. A lot of people asked me, well, what did you study when you were at LSU? I, on paper, my, the registrar knew that I studied electrical engineering. Um, but in all reality, I was there for one reason and one reason only, student tickets. That's my purpose for going to LSU. I remember when it was time to kind of think about college and where I wanted to go, Nichols was on the table, LSU was on the table, ULL was on the table, Louisiana Tech was on the table. I think I even sent my, top, my, uh, my, my ACT score to Harvard just so they could have a good little laugh. But I did all this goofy stuff, but I remember whenever it was time to go to college, the thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to be one of the crazy people sitting in Tiger Stadium and just being loud and nuts on Saturday nights. Amen? Hallelujah, right? Like, it was awesome. I was so excited. Um, but I realized after a year of being in school that while, yes, it is a lot of fun to go to a football game and to be as loud as possible, the biggest lesson that I learned, and you're thinking that it's like, oh, well, grades really matter. That was not the lesson at all, right? The biggest lesson that I learned was while it was fun to be in a football game and to be loud and to leave hoarse and to leave dehydrated and all this stuff, right? That was fun. The real fun was at a baseball game. Because at baseball games, you can heckle and the players hear you. Y'all sitting there like, oh yeah. I'm like, oh no, no, no. I remember, I was the guy in the outfield that was, I'm going to move the microphone for this one. I was in the guy in the outfield going, Balfour! If you listen to an LSU baseball game, there's still that guy. It's not me anymore, but I was that guy. Anytime there was three balls on the pitcher, right? I remember one game in particular. It wasn't me. It was a friend of mine that was sitting a couple of rows away. He said, uh, the, the, the right fielder, we always sat in right field, and we always got on the right fielder because you played the same team for three games in a row. And we always got to know him, and we would do research on these guys. One guy that was playing right field, for I forgot what team, it was some small school in the Midwest somewhere, he comes in, he had been his high school football quarterback, the quarterback of his high school football team, they had made it to the state title, and with five seconds left, he threw an interception and they lost the game. Someone found the article from the local newspaper and in the middle of the game read to him his worst highlight of all time. This guy standing in the outfield, he froze, and he just looks up, and he's like, are you serious? And we're like, yes, we are, because we take heckling for real, right? The best part, the, the interesting thing, though, is it didn't matter if it was a football game or a baseball game or whatever game I went to, as loud as I wanted to be, I was still a spectator. So no matter what happened on the field, I felt like I had some kind of a, I, I felt like I had some kind of an effect because I was part of this crowd, and we were going to be really, really mean to the other team, and we were going to be really, really awesome to our team, right? We were going to cheer, and we were going to boo, and we did everything we were supposed to, and we were quiet when the offense had the ball, and we were loud when the defense was on the field, all those kind of things. But I had this belief in my mind that I was having an effect on the game. 
But if I take a step back and I'm really honest with myself, what was going on is that I was just a spectator. Going along with the crowd, yes. Being loud when I was supposed to, being quiet when I wasn't. Like doing all the things that I was supposed to do as a good fan, as a good spectator. But nevertheless, I was still nothing more than a spectator. And because I was nothing more than a spectator, I didn't have much of an effect on the outcome whatsoever. Today in our gospel, or today in our first reading, we heard this. While they were looking intently at the sky, now this is right after Jesus has ascended into heaven, body and soul, Jesus, right? After he died, he rose from the dead, he appears to the apostles, he's got his wounds and his body back. And then what happens? Today he ascends. That's the celebration we have today. But we hear, while they were looking intently at the sky and he was going, as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white garments stood beside them. The apostles are all there. They're watching this happen. He is raised up and he ascends. He disappears. And they're still looking. These two men in white garments... Anytime you hear two men in white garments, think of angels. These two men in white garments appear to the apostles and say, Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the sky? Men of Galilee, why are you standing there just looking up? Well, a miracle just happened. But why are you still here, just looking up? Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection with the apostles. Jesus spent 40 days continuing to break open the teaching that he had done, the, all of the lessons that he had taught them, all of the teaching that he had done, all of the, kind of the coaching he had done, all of the discipleship that these men had gone through. For 40 more days after the resurrection, Jesus continued to appear to them and to be with them and to be present to them and continue to form them and continue to tell them, the Holy Spirit is coming. He's going to take control of your life and you're going to go out. And the moment that he's gone... All the apostles do are like spectators standing there just looking up, just watching, not moving, not sharing, not spreading the gospel, not doing a thing, just standing there looking up with their head up in the clouds, just watching. This posture is an utterly useless posture. This posture brings about no effect just watching from afar. That was cool. That was nice. But this posture does nothing to change the world around them. Now, why do I think this is so important for us? Because our faith, the Catholic faith, the Christian faith, 
our faith that we are here to profess today is not a spectator sport. Let me say that again. Our faith is not a spectator sport. Just imagine if the 11 disciples never moved. And that was it. And they stayed there just looking up at the sky. Faith would have never, would have never been shared. The gospel would have never been proclaimed. People would have never come to know who Jesus is, what he has done, and, reality, and, and have the reality that my life can be impacted by him. Instead, they would still be just stuck there, looking up. I think that our culture has been impacted more by Christians just standing there looking up as a spectator than by anything else. Because right now, this is the posture of Christians in our culture. It's useless. And what do we do? We just stand there, looking up. We just stand back and wait for someone else to do. All we have to do is look at the last couple of years. Look at the last couple of weeks. We as Christians, we, we, we stand back and wait for a politician to solve violence. We as Christians, we step back and we wait for some talking heads in, 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 the, in the government to be the ones that decide when life begins. We as Christians, we stand back and we wait for someone else to be the one that's going to impose and solve problems of injustice and of racism and of, of, of life issues and all these other things. We as Christians, so often we find ourselves just standing back and watching. And instead, heaven says to us today, why are you standing and just looking up at the sky? You see, the, what we read in the first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles, what the Acts of the Apostles is in the Bible, it's the second volume basically written by St. Luke. So St. Luke writes the Gospel, and then his second volume, volume two, right, is the Acts of the Apostles. And he goes through what the beginning of the church is like. He goes through the story of how the church spread, and how those 11 disciples who were standing there and watching the ascension happen, how after they were challenged, they went out and they moved. That the Holy Spirit entered into their life and they spread the gospel to all the world. And as they found themselves repeatedly in the public square preaching and proclaiming what Jesus Christ had done, they were being arrested. And then amazing miracles were happening where the, the gates of the, of, the, of the cells were being thrown open. And the same people who arrested them went to bed, woke up the next morning, and saw them out in public square again, proclaiming the faith. 
They were being stoned. And what would happen? They would walk back up. They would wake up almost as if they had never been touched and come right back. And what were they doing? Proclaiming the faith. Because they saw that their faith was not a spectator sport. It was not going to be for someone else to do it. Someone else's responsibility. But instead, it was theirs. It's my job to proclaim the faith. It's my job to live my life in accord with what God has set in place. It's my job to stand up for truth and goodness and justice and all those things in the world. They couldn't afford to just sit back and look up. The Acts of the Apostles follows St. Peter in particular in the first half of the Acts of the Apostles. Then about midway through, we hear this new figure move in, and his name is Paul. And we hear about how St. Paul goes through this massive conversion after, after, uh, after killing the first martyr of the church, St. Uh, Stephen. And then he goes through all of his journeys. And one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is the last verse of Acts of the Apostles. And it's kind of interesting, and I'll explain to you why. This is what we hear whenever Paul finally reaches Rome. This is what we hear. And he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ quite openly and unhindered. In book. That's it. It just ends. There's no crescendo, there's no major climax, there's no big battle, there's no happily ever after. It just ends. I believe that the reason why that reading, that book of the, of the early church, that book that documents how the church spread and what was going on, I believe the reason why it just ends is because it's not supposed to be finished. That 2,000 years later, the history of the church, the Acts of the Apostles, is still being written today. But Father, there's no Peter or John or Paul. No. It's you. It's me. We are the actors now in the Acts of the Apostles. The same Holy Spirit that entered into their hearts so long ago, the same Holy Spirit that next week we'll celebrate at Pentecost, enlightened them, enlivened them, and sent them out on the world, released them on the world as Christ's foot soldiers so that the gospel may be proclaimed to every corner. That same Holy Spirit has entered into your life and to mine on the day of our baptism and was matured on the day of our confirmation. You and I are being animated by the same divine life of God living in us. So what are you doing with it? Are you just looking up? Watching from afar? Maybe for good reason. I don't want to be rude. Waiting for someone else to do something? Or are you and I Embracing what we have been given. And going out to the corners of the world to share the gospel. 
That phrase, the corners of the world, can seem like it's so out there and kind of like, yeah, but I'm like, I don't have to go out. You don't have to go any. You, you can go to Walmart right after Mass. Your family, right after Mass. The ride home on your way out the parking lot when everybody's cutting each other off and you want to curse somebody out, like, like right there is where charity starts. Because the gospel needs to be proclaimed everywhere, including Raceland. Including, including Central Lafourche High School, including the college campuses that you're going to walk onto or the workplaces that you're going to walk into in a few months. It's the same thing. The education that you received at Central. Is it going to animate you? Or are you leaving it behind? I want to leave the drama behind. I know what that feels like. Trust me. But... Is it going to animate you and send you out? Or am I just going to leave it all behind? In the same way, when we come to this Mass, we come to receive Jesus Christ into our life that God himself can continue to feed the fire of Pentecost that has been given to us. And then what happens at the end? It's not a suggestion, the last words of Mass. It's a command. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. It's not a suggestion. It's God's command to his church to go and be church. Don't just sit back with your head up in the clouds just watching. But go dictate the values of society. So many times this week in the wake of the tragedy in Texas, so many times this week, Politicians, actors, athletes, uh, movie stars, all these, all these random people on Twitter have continued to just say over and over, we need to do something, we need to do something, we need to do something. One law ain't going to fix a heart. Pro-life advocates are saying, we need to do something, Roe v. Wade needs to go away. One, one law is not going to fix all the problems of our society. But Christians who take seriously the command to love, take seriously the command of of the faith, take seriously the idea of hope that this world is not the end, has a massive impact. This morning, we got what, five, six hundred people here in church? Just imagine with 500 people on fire with the faith living their life this weekend living their life from this weekend for the next seven days just imagine the impact and the way in which the gospel could be proclaimed right here in this community so my challenge for all of us is very simple As we come to Mass, or we come in as a spectator, Father, entertain us. Are we coming just so we can get some good pictures of our our graduates in cap and gown? Are we coming so that we can be empowered and on fire with the Holy Spirit by the person that we receive into our life in the Eucharist and then sent out to communicate it?
The world more than ever needs Christians that are on fire with the grace of the Holy Spirit. The world more than ever needs people who are going to be willing to proclaim the faith loudly and proudly. The world more than ever needs sinners who have experienced God's mercy to go out and to witness to the church, to witness to the church's power, to witness to God's grace, and to reveal to the rest of the world who is dying to hear about the good news. Are you willing to be one of those disciples? Just like in the Acts of the Apostles that went out or we sit back and just look up and wait for someone else to do it. May today we not just come to church but when we depart from this Mass May we go out and be the church. Make present to the world, to a dark world, the fire of God's love and grace.